What's up, TMZ? How'd you find me, bro? I got my disguise on. What's up, man? TMZ Sports. Welcome to TMZ Sports. I'm Mike Babcock with my sleeved up friend, Mojo Mutati. Mojo, I know it's Halloween today, but why are you wearing sleeves? What's going on here? This is the spookiest thing I could think of. Halloween <laughs> costume. Mojo in sleeves for one day only. Don't get used to it. Yeah, there. listen, there's Halloween, but then there's taking Halloween too far, and that is what you have done today, my friend. So I'm going to go sleeveless. Uh, Mojo, let's talk some football. Look, the NFL trade deadline. It was here, and now it's gone, and there were some big stars, guys like Chase Young, uh, Leonard Williams, big defensive stars who were traded. You know who was not traded? Star Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, who clearly hates it right now in Vegas, Mojo. And that was apparent last night, Monday Night Football, once again. I mean, the, the Raiders play, the Raiders lose. That's how it goes. And uh, they were playing a good Lions team last night, but they end up losing 26-14. to 14. Now, here's the part that I think is probably really eating at Devontae. Not only does his team lose, but... He catches Mojo one pass for 11 yards. Now, he was targeted seven times. Jimmy G had a very bad night. He was 10 for 21, 126 yards. That's not a winning performance. And again, one catch for 11 yards. Devontae slammed his helmet down during the game, clearly frustrated. And then you'll watch him with the helmet here now. After the game, all the media members wanted to hear from the star wide receiver, the six-time Pro Bowler, the three-time first-team All-Pro. You know, what's going on in Vegas? Here's the box. Honestly, I, I don't know what to say at this moment. I, I truly don't. I wish I had the, the words to, you know, to say something that's not going to get blown up in the media and, and taken out of context. So I'm going to just, uh, I truly, I just don't know. What are you feeling right now? Can you elaborate on anything going through your mind? Frustration, but I mean, that's that kind of goes without saying. I know you said that you, know, you have confidence whenever you're out there and offensive ability, but is it kind of hard to, to maintain that when the results are what they've been? No, it's not hard to maintain the confidence in our offense. It's just hard to curb your frustration when you can't put it together when you know you should. Mojo, I mean, there were a ton of teams obviously interested in him. He's 30 years old. He's not getting any younger, but a lot of teams interested. But at the end of the day, the Raiders don't pull the trigger and, and he stays in Vegas, at least for the rest of this season. Well, you know, the Raiders aren't going to give him up. No chance whatsoever. I mean, he is the best player on their team. Why yep. would they cough up their, their, their top player? I am extremely impressed by Devontae's post-game interview to be able to keep all that frustration in and not say too much uh, is the best thing that he could have done. He's right. Uh, whatever he would have said would have been blown out of context, especially just based off of how he was acting during the game. I mean, everyone knows he's ready to lose his mind right now and he does not like the situation in Vegas. You kind of can't let on to that. He said enough in that interview. He said as much as he needed to say and. To keep all of that in, my goodness, that had to take superhuman levels of self-control. I mean, wow, they lost 26-14. There were at least two passes where he was just unbelievably wide open that would have gone for touchdowns that would have made that game 28-26 with, with the Raiders actually beating a very, very good 
Detroit Lions team, I, I believe one of those catches would have been a 98-yard touchdown. He yeah. could not have been more open. I mean, look, this is frustrating. You, you leave the Packers, you leave a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you search for greener pastures. Obviously, you, you aren't getting that. We're talking about a guy who is, if not the best wide receiver in the yeah. league, top three for sure. And nobody's going to even see that with the offensive situation surrounding him. He's not even going to be top 10 this year. Um, And that's got to be devastating for a player. I mean, my goodness, I I can't imagine a worse situation for him right now. And uh, again, just hats off to him for, for keeping it all, you know, close to the chest. Yeah. I mean, like we said, he's 30 years old now Um, for a wide receiver. He is now getting old and, uh, still a productive player, despite the offense not being any good in uh, in Vegas. But Calvin Johnson, Megatron retired as a 30-year-old player. So that's the that's the area that we're getting into right now with Devontae. And it's clear he's not happy. He's going to have to ride it out the rest of the year with the Raiders. Lots of season left. They're not going anywhere this year. But you, you do wonder what happens next year. There's a lot of questions, let's be honest, about this entire Raiders franchise. You've got uh, almost the entire fan base wants to fire Josh McDaniels. I, I think, obviously, that's something that's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of changes. I think the question is, is Devontae Adams part of their future? Thank you. All right, Mojo, moving on from one disgruntled superstar who is not going anywhere to another who actually is on the move, albeit in a completely different sport. James Harden Mojo has gotten his wish. He wanted to be traded from the Philadelphia 76ers, and he wanted to be traded to a very specific place, that place being the Los Angeles Clippers. And Mojo, what do you know it? Uh, As we sit here and talk uh, Tuesday night, uh, he is on his way to L.A. The deal has been done. Now, look, this has been a uh, maybe the biggest saga of the offseason, the relationship between James Harden and the 76ers, and specifically that guy right there, Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey, somebody who was uh, in charge with uh, the Houston Rockets, has a longtime working relationship with James Harden, but that completely fell apart, Mojo, this year. You might remember, Mojo, back in August, James Harden was in China during the offseason, and he absolutely blasted Daryl Morey, called him a liar, and made it very clear that, no, this was not a repairable relationship and that he was not going to hoop in the city of brotherly love. Take a look. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Mojo, you heard him say it and then repeat it another time. James Harden wanted to make sure that everybody there heard, and the media got that on camera and obviously was blasted across the world. And and again, one of the biggest stories of the entire offseason. It's a complicated trade. You've got a bunch of players going both ways. You've got draft picks involved here, but obviously the key piece being the future Hall of Famer, James Harden. Hey, man, you hear players make empty threats all of the time trying to influence uh, their positioning. James Harden actually got it done. And that, yeah. I feel like that happens less, less so than uh, when it actually does. Yep. I mean, he, he really drew a line in the sand here, wanted no part of that. I mean, that's, but you know, that's come on, Joe, and tell me if I'm wrong here. I think it's because most guys say I'm not going to play, but then when it comes down to it and you're giving up millions and millions of dollars, that's all, it's easier said than done. 
Yeah, and I mean, you're pretty much calling the team's bluff, right? And depends yeah. on how long you're willing to ride that out. Maybe you sit out camp. Maybe you give up that first game check or two. And then at that point, you know, if, if the team doesn't make a move, the player typically does. Uh, right. This didn't necessarily get that far, uh, but he's out. I mean, bottom line, I mean, I think it was very easy to read between the lines here. And honestly, at the end of the day, I, I think this is a better move for James Harden. For Philly, maybe not so much. This probably puts them in a hole a bit. But uh, for the Clippers, man, they've been teetering on being yeah. a great team for, for a while here. And this might be the last piece that they needed uh, to become a championship franchise. Mojo, I get the feeling that this is either going to be a tremendous success or a tremendous failure. You've got a lot of big egos there, and there's only one basketball to go around, and four guys can't shoot the ball at once. So I, I do wonder if this ends up being, a, again, a huge smash success or if it ends up uh, just just crumbling in, in front of NBA fans' eyes. I, I think for the Sixers, the, the end of the day, James Harden wasn't going to play for them. They, uh, they've already played a handful of games. The Sixers didn't even allow him on the team plane for two of their games. He was on the bench for another one of their games at home. But the bottom line is he wasn't going to play. I think he was probably going to uh, start infecting that locker room with the bad energy. And uh, I think at the end of the day, the 76ers, they really had no choice here. They, they had to ship him out of town. It probably, you know, burns Daryl Morey a little bit to give James Harden what he wants. But at the end of the day, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. The Sixers needed to make this move and they get it done. When TMZ Sports returns, we're still talking about the biggest fight in the world, Fury and Francis Ngannou. Former welterweight champion turned great boxing analyst Sean Porter stops by. Does he think that there should be a rematch? Find out next on TMZ Sports. Welcome back to TMZ Sports. Mike here. Uh, it's the fight everyone's still talking about. Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou. God, one of the most polarizing fights I can think of in a long time. I, I don't know who won the fight. This man right here, uh, two-time welterweight champion, one of the uh, one of the best in the ring and one of the absolute best when it comes to uh, to breaking down these fights, Sean Porter. Sean, brother, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm not going to say what you want me to say, and I'm not going to say what the MMA fans want me to say, so it is what it is. <laughs> well, I, I, I truly, uh, I, I, I just want your opinion. I, I don't want you to say anything. Who won this damn fight, though, Sean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Tyson Fury won the fight. It is what it is, you know. Um, but I will say this, you know, there's no true map in terms of how you score a, a boxing match, you know. And I did a show earlier. Uh, shout out to Pro Box TV. You guys should watch that show. It's a news channel that's built just for boxing, you know, right. and, and and what we what we all determined was even if that knockdown had happened late in the fight, it still would not have earned Ngannou the victory. Fact of the matter is, outside of the knockdown and maybe one or two other rounds, there were a handful of rounds that Tyson Fury just flat out won, had the busy jab. Of course, one of the one of the many things we expected that actually showed up. And, and beyond that, you know, uh, him just being a boxer, knowing how to pace himself through a 10, 12-round fight, he won the fight. It is what it is, you know. Nonetheless, Ngannou showed himself, man, and he showed himself in a big way. 
I spoke with Shakur Stevenson about the fight, and he believed that Tyson, despite him saying he trained for three months for the fight, he believed that he came in, didn't train, possibly out of shape. What did you see as somebody who has watched Tyson Fury fight so many times? Yeah, and I, and and I, I'm not ashamed to plug things. Okay, so Pro Box TV yet again, and then also the Portaway Podcast. I just want everybody to to know where you can find me saying these kinds of things on the on the on the Pro Box TV. Uh, I I said it's like a a shooter shooting at the target. If their if their gun is off, aka these, if they're off, what what a what a guy what, what someone will do is they'll just fine tune that gun. And that's what training camp is for. Training camp is for you to make sure that those guns are right. That way, in in real action, you're on, you're hitting the target and you're throwing the punches correctly with the right delivery. Tyson Fury's punches were wide. Tyson Tyson Fury's punches, some of them were just slow. Uh, most of them were off target. Those are all signs that even though he was in the eight, ten week camp, whatever he says he was, he didn't fine tune because on fight night he was very off and when when a fighter is very off you you can pinpoint and say well how could he have been so off you sometimes fighters are off if the, if the the opposition is like doing a bunch of like different moves that you're not prepared for we didn't get any of that from Nganu. he was right there in his face ready to box you know why was tyson fury off because he didn't do a, a lot of things correctly in camp and you could see it Two quick ones uh, for you, Sean. Can Francis Ngannou be made into a guy who was a legit title threat at heavyweight in, in boxing? Yeah, you know what the, what was said earlier was that he's 37 years old. He doesn't have a lot of time. Right. I disagree with that. I think that boxers, fighters in general, are in their prime closer to 33 to 35, 36, 37, depending on who you are. And then another thing that is... It's not scientifically proven, but it's something that's said in the boxing world. Heavyweights age slower than any other weight class. So at 37 to 40, a heavyweight is actually in their prime. I think he, I think Francis Ngannou has time to polish his skills, to, de to devote his, his time 100% to boxing and make some noise in the boxing ring, man. I'm looking forward to what he does next. I think it's time for him to make some real money. <laughs> yeah, remarkable. And uh, speaking of real money, if this happens, I, I think that'll be real money. Do you want to see a rematch? I do. I want to see a rematch. I kind of want to see it right away. But the other side of that is I like to see Francis sharpen himself. I like to see him do eight rounds and eight rounds against two other competitors just to, just for him to get that in ring, in action, learning on the job experience. And then go right back after Tyson Fury. Hopefully Tyson's got his mind right. And we'll get a real fight. This is what makes the sport so great and just sports in general, right, Sean? Because you're yeah. like, there's no way that uh, Tyson could lose this fight. And not that he did lose, but no way it's going to be close. And yeah, shocking. This is what this is why why people love boxing, man. Is yeah. you always have the puncher's chance, and then there's always the chance of somebody being more prepared and doing the unexpected. And that's what we got on, on, on Saturday night. Absolutely. Nobody does it better than you uh, when it comes to breaking down this stuff. Sean, brother, thank you so much, as always, for your time. We'll talk soon. My pleasure, big dog. Later.
Mike, Bojo, and Lucas. Of course, that was the legendary Flavor Flav uh, singing the national anthem over the weekend at the Milwaukee Bucks game. Now, this story has gotten so much attention. So many people talking about Flav's rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. I have so many questions. Did he think he did a good job? Is he going to ever do this again? Lucas, you actually had a chance to talk to uh, the uh, legendary rapper, and uh, I guess he answered some of those questions? Is that right? Uh, absolutely, he did. And he even, you know, admitted that there were some things that he would have done differently, but ultimately he was there to have some fun, and he was also there to honor his family members who were actually served in the military, okay. some of them who actually lost their lives in battle. He said, I'm doing this for those who can't sing the anthem anymore. So it really meant a lot to him, and he said, ultimately, I don't care whether you liked it or not. I had fun but he was so positive about it. I love talking to him. Here's what he had to say. He doesn't really get nervous about anything. You know what I'm saying? I'm always eager to do it. I can't wait to do it. But this moment, this event right here, you know what I'm saying? And I, I know that when you do this, all eyes and ears are on you. So just for a split second, I was nervous. But you know what? I pulled it together. And I knocked it out the park. I want to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I don't. I can't say exactly when and where, but I got a couple of people right now that want me to come to their venues and do this and do it. And when I do it, I'm going to do it a little different. And matter of fact, I might do it a little quicker though, because this one, <laughs> my time with it. I really took my time with this one because I said for my first time ever, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to have fun. I'm just going to knock this thing out the park. You know what I'm saying? I was not expecting this whatsoever. When I saw that Flavor Flav did the anthem, I just immediately assumed, shame on me, that it was going to be like a Roseanne type of situation <laughs> right. that was just a absolute, total, disgraceful disaster. Yeah. Uh, and this was incredible i mean yeah. flavor play you can tell he took it extremely serious yeah. to, your, to your points about uh, his family in the military i wouldn't be surprised if he hired a coach and was really training with somebody for this i mean again yeah. i really don't know what to say i wasn't expecting this whatsoever i thought he was gonna bomb it i i, I did too much i think that's the look tell me if you guys disagree i i wouldn't say he exactly sounds like whitney houston at the giants and bills super bowl you know but I think the important part is that he he tried and, and he didn't make a mockery of it like we know Roseanne did and some other people have done in the past. Um, look, there's been a lot of people who have been pretty bad, but he took it seriously. He seems like he really enjoyed it, to your point, Lucas, and I, I'm I'm kind of excited. I'm cool with this. Like, go ahead. Have him in your building. It's a great way to get attention for your team. I'd do it, too, if I was an organization out there. And I will add one more thing. Flav also talked about the fact that, you know, you only live one life. And to do these things that you've always wanted to do is really important because, you know, when your time comes, you don't want to look back and be like, man, I wish I had done that opportunity. I wish I had, you know, tried these different things. He went way out of his comfort zone. And look at the result. He had a bunch of people talking about it. He had so much fun. So everyone wins. Okay, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> All right, fellas, and that really a conversation I didn't think we'd ever be having uh, about uh, Flavor Flav singing the national anthem. You may also notice that I have put my sleeves down. Mojo has uh, begged me uh, during our break here <laughs> to uh, put my sleeves down. He's making him uncomfortable. 
Uh, <laughs> get a look at Mojo. Last time you're ever going to see him wearing sleeves. Uh, fellas, we have got to go. We got a bunch of big things tomorrow. Going to be a great show, Mojo. Absolutely. Tomorrow, the sleeves go back off. You know we should be good. Hey, sleeves.